Hey, we're in a sermon series here where we're walking through looking at who Jesus Christ is. And our focus is on him as the great I am. And who is this Savior? We started launching in on Easter Sunday morning, and we're now into our third week here and making much of our King. And we decided we'd be walking through the Gospel of John. What does Jesus Christ say about himself? Like, if we're going to find out who he is and learn more of him, why not hear from him himself? And so we're walking through the Gospel of John, looking at what he has to say through his various I am statements. And uh, today we're looking very specifically at, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And uh, just excited to be able to walk through this piece and make sure we get the clarity of who Jesus Christ is. So do me a favor. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 8, starting in verse 12. John 8 starting in verse 12, as we look at Jesus Christ as the light of the world. We're answering these questions. Who does he say he is? And how should I respond to him because of that? Who does he say he is? And how should I respond to him because of that? All right? And so first, first point here. Trust Jesus and follow him as the one true light of life. Trust Jesus and follow him as the one true light. Light of life. Okay. So we'll start in verse 12. He says, Again, Jesus spoke to them. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. All right. So let's just break it down here a little bit. We'll hold there and we'll keep moving through the passage. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them. Man, we have a massive amount of interaction between Jesus and those around him. There's a lot of question they've got going on. They're trying to figure some things out and Jesus speaks to them. And then he speaks to them again. And then he speaks to them again. And and so it starts out here. Again, Jesus spoke to them. Now he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And uh, we need to capture the importance of this statement. It's easy for us to skid past it. We may have even heard the phrase enough where we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And so let's just move on. And, uh, but we need to understand a few things about why Jesus would have even said what he said. Why talk about light? Well, just so you know, at that moment, right, we're talking right around the time of the Passover, Right? And so the Passover is celebrating looking backwards at what was done in Exodus and God releasing them. The Passover was the celebration of God passing over and not bringing death into the home of the Israelites and freeing them and releasing them. It was a great celebration. The next week is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread because they feasted on unleavened bread. So it's well-named, right? And so they had this kind of celebratory week, and what they did is they went into the temple. In fact, they went right next to what's called the treasury. You'll hear that word pop up here in just a little bit. And they ended up putting these giant stakes in the ground, and they lit them on fire. They put torches on fire all over the place, and those stayed lit for the week of Feast of Unleavened Bread. So that people could kind of come day or night into the worship area. There was a huge celebration going on and it centered around these torches of light that were lit. And that's the celebration that's taking place. Every time you see Jesus use a metaphor about himself, 
just start looking around in the story for seeing why that might have been tied into what was going on right next to him. Because he loves to point out the kind of the typical what's going on in everyday life. And do you see how much that points to me? Okay, and so the light of the world, he's pointing really probably to the torches that are standing all around them in this celebratory week. And he's now saying, hey man, those are lights for the temple. Maybe you could even call them lights for Jerusalem, but I, I'm the light of the world. A huge emphasis on Jesus Christ and his authority and uh, light. But it was more than just what was going on in the temple. The light had a lot of meaning uh, to the Jewish thought and really even to our thought today. And I, So I just wrote this down. Hey, five important meanings of the word light. Five important meanings of light. We need to grasp when Jesus says he's the light, what is he saying about himself? Number one, light. Well, it speaks to origins, origin, the beginning of things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but then it says more than that. He said, let there be light, and there was, there was light. Like he has authority over creation, and the first thing it speaks of in the creation process is the light being created. It does speak to origins and God's creation in that. And uh, the second thing it speaks to is authority, light. And uh, not only can he uh, create this light just by speaking it, Colossians 1 says Jesus Christ created it by Jesus and for Jesus, right? Authority in him. He has massive statement of his authority when he says, I'm the light of the world. I light everything up. I'm in charge of everything. And there's a huge statement of origins. There's a huge statement of authority. Then number three, clarity. And this starts to speak maybe more to how we would think of light, clarity. And uh, we would agree with this, right? You go pick up a flashlight because you're in a dark room and you turn it on and all of a sudden you get a little clarity to what's around you. You're not tripping on things. You're not stubbing your toe. You're not jumping around on one foot wishing you'd had a flashlight, right? Now you have the light and it makes clear what's around you. And to the light, it brings clarity. There's origin, there's authority, there's clarity, there's purity. In the light, there is purity. And uh, there's this huge um, statement of brightness and light being kind of holy and pure, and darkness being what is not uh, holy and pure. And then the last one is necessity. Man, we need light. I'm not sure if I found this out ever more strongly than when I was going through some of the hormone problems. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but like 90-some percent of the vitamin D in your body comes from sunlight hitting your skin and being transferred that way. It doesn't come through you know, intake, like eating things. You can try to supplement that way, but the reality is our body, majority of the vitamin D comes through the sunlight hitting us. And so, you know, what happens when we go without light for very long periods of time? We lose our mind. And uh, light, it is a necessity to living. We are designed and built where light keeps us running. It's more than just, it's nice to see things. It's more than, everybody say, it's more than that. It's more than that. It is an absolute necessity to life. And uh, light has huge meaning to value. And uh, it's like, I am the light of the world. Jesus Christ carries massive importance in our lives. And uh, man, we need to hear that and see that. 
He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Just so you know, the word follow and walk, those two words are very similar. In fact, the word walk is kind of built into the word follow. And so there's a similarity there. And he's like, whoever is kind of like walking with me in my footsteps, well, you're not going to be walking in darkness because I'm the light of the life. I'm the light of the world. And uh, follow me. You won't walk in darkness. Uh, but just one thing to note here, it says, follow me, you will not walk in darkness. Those of you who have the NIV with you, it says, follow me, you will never walk in darkness. Probably a better translation in this case. In fact, just so you know, in the Greek here, it's a double negative, And uh, that means something really important. That means like, really, really not. Right? That's what it means. Like in the English, when we do double negative, we're actually reversing ourselves. Right? And if you're like, I'm not, not happy, you're like, oh, wait, you're not happy, sad, and then you're not. So you're not sad, so you're happy. Oh, okay, right? And it takes us a while to figure it out. We have to like double negative the thing and we're reversing it. That's English. But in Greek, when you put the double negative, it's this strong emphasizing of the negative. He's like, it is not that you will walk in darkness. You will never Walk in the darkness, and that's a huge deal. So we better understand what this word walk means. It doesn't mean that we're uh, never going to sin. Everybody say, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that, right? First John 1 says that if we say that we're without sin, we lie and we don't do the truth. And uh, so we will have elements in us where we're wrestling with sin, but this walk is like an ongoing, consistent, persistent Truthfully, an enjoyment of I want to be over there. That's the definition of my life. I'm going to be in that, consistently in that. It's not the, oh, what am I doing? Lord, please forgive me. Repent and step out. And then later on, a step back into it again and wish you weren't there. And Lord, please forgive me. And right, it's not that. It's like in it and going, yeah, that's right. This is where I am and I like it. And I'm staying here. And that's kind of a walk in it. We have to make sure we grasp that. Never does that happen when you are with the one who is the light. And uh, I'm telling you, the conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit in the midst of us being in those things and, uh, and us needing to hear those things and respond. And, uh, simple question. Are you here today and you know you're walking in something you shouldn't be and you feel the conviction of it and it needs to go? Maybe it's something small like words you say or a thought you have. Maybe it's something huge. Maybe you are train wrecking your marriage right now. And it's time to stop it. Lord, please forgive me. Lord, I want to get this thing right. And uh, This walking in darkness, man, it's a huge deal. How do I know that I'm walking in darkness? Well, I just wrote these words down. Darkness. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 gives some good clarity. What feels good, what looks good, what shows me off. Like if that's your motivation, what feels good, what looks good, what shows me off. Hey, yes, this is what I'm into, man. And uh, I'm just telling you, this is going to make me so much more important. This is going to make people look at me and think so much differently of me. This is all about the feelings in the moment, and I can't wait for those feelings repeatedly. And what feels good, what looks good, what shows me off, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And watch for that. 
good definition of darkness in a real basic way. What looks good, what feels good, what shows me off. And uh, okay, he's just like, whoever follows me, yeah, you're not going to be going after those things. In fact, those things are called the things of the world. And Jesus even brings that up a little bit later. It says, but you will have the light of life. And uh, Jesus Christ, man, he is our hope. He is our authority. He is our purity. He is our clarity. He is our everything. He is the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. What are they talking about here? Where are they coming from? All right, here's what they're talking about. If you want to write a verse down, Deuteronomy 19, verse 15 is one. There are many. But it basically says, you cannot convict someone unless you have two witnesses. All right? Unless you have two, how many witnesses? Don't forget that word. It's going to come up in just a little bit. You cannot convict someone unless you have two witnesses. And in fact, it has to be, in this case, it says two other witnesses. So that it's not just you declaring. So it's not just one witness in you. You have to have two separate witnesses is what Deuteronomy 19.15 says in order to convict someone, all right? And so the, they're like, hey, just so you know, you saying it, no. We need two witnesses about you being Mr. Light of the World, okay? And if that's what you're going to be, we need witness one and witness two, and that's what we're looking for. And so you said it, so it's not true. And uh, just so we're clear, the passage of Scripture I just quoted to you does not say it is untrue. It just says it is unverified, and everybody just say, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. It doesn't say it's untrue. It just says unverified. And so the law given to a bunch of men to be careful was make sure you can verify it, okay? And so one person says something about themselves. It might be true. It might not be true, but it's not verified, right? And, uh, but they've changed it. They're like, just so you know, you have to be able to get two witnesses or we declare it untrue, Everybody say they're wrong. Don't miss that. It's very subtle, but they're wrong. The scripture calls for verification, not actual declaration of its truth, okay? Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. You hear that? Even if I do bear witness, my testimony is true. And uh, Jesus is like, uh, let me just give you one word for that. No. You're saying it's not true, and I say, no, even if I am bearing witness, it's true. I mean, I could be like, I have $20 in my pocket right now. Well, I don't have a witness for it. Is it true? And I have $20 in my pocket. Okay, now, I have $20 in my pocket. Do I have a witness? Okay, now it's starting to get a little more verified, right? I declared it was true, but was it true? I declared it was true. Was it true? Yes, it was true. I can say it and have it true, even though it's about myself. Christ is like, yeah, you're a little wrong on that. Verification you want. Okay, does everybody see my $20 bill? I now have witnesses. Okay, and then you can go even one step further. You can be like, I'll tell you what, Caleb. That's yours, man. Now let me ask you, do I have a really good witness that I had $20 in my pocket? Yes, and Jesus is, and you can keep that for real. I'm not going to come back later. And uh, seriously, Christ is like, I want to make this clear. I am declaring the truth. 
And just because I'm declaring it doesn't make it untrue. Watch yourselves, boys. And the verification will roll out. And there will be witnesses, and there will even be those that receive personally. And man, will you have witnesses. That's what he's talking about, all right? Let's make sure we capture what Christ is saying and get the emphasis of it, all right? So it says, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and I know where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. He's like, just so we're clear, I know what I'm talking about and you don't, right? And we're going to see Christ kind of up the ante on the conversation here. He's going to be pretty firm with these guys throughout, and he's starting it right here. He's like, guys, you don't even know what you're talking about. You're trying to tell me that I'm wrong. But I'm not. You are. And that's where we stand. And, uh, he says, I know where, I'm, where I've come from and I know where I'm going. Christ knows what's going on. Just say, he knows. Jesus knows what's going on. He says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. You judge according to the flesh. What does that mean? It means you look at the physical world through physical eyes with your physical mindset. You have a sense of this place and that's all you have. You are judging from these eyes and it's not working for you. And then he says, I judge no one. And in fact, remember we have a statement about Christ in John. It says, right, he did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world, that the world through him might be saved. And Jesus Christ, he had a purpose standing before them, and it wasn't condemning and judging. And uh, just don't get this wrong. There's a point where Jesus Christ will be standing before us and us before him. And uh, there will be a point that comes. And so then Christ kind of picks up with another statement. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Again, he's like, be careful, boys. You're trying to say that if I declare it, it's untrue, but that is not the case. And in fact, I'm bringing to you a very deep reality. And I'm working with the Father, and what I'm saying is truth, and he is bearing witness to it. Watch out. This is fact, and you need to hear it. And uh, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. How many witnesses is that? I and the Father who sent me. He's saying, there's two, and I'm counting as one of them, and your law is getting a little twisted, and watch yourself. And uh, in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. We have two witnesses, and just as I very clearly just pulled $20 out of my pocket and handed it to Caleb, do I have a witness? Do I have many witnesses? And Christ is like, get ready, because there's going to be a lot of witnessing going on around here. Get ready. Okay? They said to him, therefore, where is your father? <laughs> okay. Everybody just say, they're not getting it. <laughs> they're not getting it, right? And remember, we just went through this a little bit ago, and, and they're hearing this, and they're like, literally, here's the statement being made. We know your father. Your father was Joseph, right? And so now, where is your father? There's a little bit of an innuendo to, okay, go get Joseph. Go ahead and get the guy, man. Let's talk to him. Where is your father? And is that the father he's talking about? No, that's not the father he's talking about. Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father 
also. So bottom line, here we go. Jesus is like, get this. I am talking about someone that if you knew, you would know me. I am talking about God Almighty. And they're not getting it. They're not hearing the innuendo that to know God the Father is to know me. He and the Father, they are one. There is a Godness to Jesus Christ that we have to grasp. God the Son. Everybody say, He is God. Man, I'm telling you, we better get that. These guys stood before him and they're like, okay, where's your father? Go get him. Have you ever heard, go get your daddy, right? Go get your daddy, we'll prove it. And, and Jesus is like, man, you're not understanding. If you knew my father, you'd know me and we wouldn't be having this conversation. And uh, all right, these words he spoke to them in the treasury, in the treasury. Remember I told you about that word treasury. So this just outside of here is where the lamps and the, and the lights were all at, okay? And uh, as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. God is sovereign. And God knows what he's doing. And while Jesus was thoroughly challenging to them, pressing in on them that they do not know the Father and they do not know the Son, and this is a very dangerous moment for them, and in fact, he's going to get even more forthright with them coming up. The reality is, His challenge is simply this. You're missing the point. Please hear who I am. And if you know the Father, you know me and vice versa. Okay? uh, There is one hope. There is one answer. There is one Lord. And Jesus Christ, he is the one way, the one truth, the one life. He is our hope. All right? So, this past week, um, my wife, she's been running with uh, like a three-year-old plus iPad. And uh, it's been time to kind of get a new one for a while. And so we finally decided to get a new iPad. And I found one online on Best Buy. It was one of those new iPad Pro 9.7s, you know, one of the new smaller screened iPad Pros. But it was actually an open box one, so you got a significant discount off the thing. And I'm like, this is awesome. So we ended up ordering the thing for her. We ended up getting it purchased. We actually ended up buying it over at Best Buy. We went over to see it to make sure she would like it. And then we bought it there online with them. It was very helpful of them. And uh, so, and I partly, truthfully, we're buying open box. I'm like, just in case something goes wrong, I want to be able to say, you're the one who pushed the button. You know what I mean? And uh, so we did buy it over there online with them. And uh, we ended up getting the thing in. And John opened it up and started going through to set it up. And it says, please enter the current Apple ID that is in this machine. And she's like, uh, uh-oh, how do I reset this? And so she starts looking some things up. She called me. Of course, I am zero help on that. I have no idea. And uh, so she called a couple other people and was getting some insight. And bottom line is, like, that's not easy to get reset. You're going to have to take that back over. So we went to Best Buy. In fact, actually, I'll just tell you, after six phone calls, Jana calls up the first person. And she's like, hi, I have a problem. I bought this thing out of box and yada, yada, yada. And they're like, can I please have your name? Jana Harkness, can I please have your address? She gives it, you know, yada, 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 and number, and, and now what's the problem? She gives a little description. Yeah, I'm sorry, I really can't help you with that. I'm going to have to pass you on to the next person. So she passes on, next person picks it up. Hi, can I help you? Yeah, this is what's going on. Okay, can I please have your name? Can I have your address? Can I have your number? Okay, what seems to be the problem? Yeah, I really can't help you with that. Let me pass you on. Third person, fourth person. Fifth person, I wasn't there for this. My daughter was my witness. Sixth person, 
She's like, she wasn't doing well. It's like, it was getting a little rough. And I don't know what the exact words were, so I'm just going to make stuff up. Say, okay, now I just got the exact words. Here we go. She said, uh, I'm going to hang up now before I get very mad. Because this isn't going well, basically, is the answer, right? This isn't working out. None of you can help me fix this problem. And so we end up going over to Best Buy. We bring it to them, and we hand it to them. And then, of course, their question is, what's your name? Where do you live? What's your number? And then they went over, and they started to do their magic back there. And then they came back and said, yeah, we can't fix it. We're going to have to send it to Apple do you want to buy another open box one offline and we'll just... And I'm like, no, I really don't want to do that. She, she had just gone to the washroom and I'm standing there talking to him. I'm like, seriously, dude, I really don't want to buy another one online. And he's like, all right, you know what? We'll just make good here and see what we can do and yada, yada. But this thing, this thing cannot be fixed without going to Apple. And that's the end of it. And uh, just so you know, that's like you and me spiritually. Did you know that? There's only one place you can go for the true fix. And I know I just got almost sacrilegious as Apple and God got about equated, so <laughs> just ignore that part. <laughs> but truly, one place you can go for the fix, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the light of the world, and you need him. Do you trust him? Do you believe him? And are you coming to him alone? And make sure you're leaning on him, you're resting in him, you're seeking him, and you're seeking to follow him. He is the light of the world, and he is the light of your life. And all of God's people said, Amen. all right, all right. Second, grasp. Grasp that Jesus is God. Believe in him, and your sins will be removed. Grasp that Jesus is God. Believe in him and your sins will be removed. Grasp that Jesus is God. Believe in him and your sins will be removed. So he said to them again, Jesus saying this, I am going away and you will seek me and you will, get ready, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. That's heavy. In fact, to the point where we need to hear the heaviness of it. When I say it, we almost need to get, the, this is the, oh, like it's that heavy. It's a hard statement to them. And uh, like really, if we're reading through scripture and we just passively read and we're not actively reading, we're missing the point. This is one of those reads where we need to get it and go, oh, man. Everybody just say, oh, with me. Oh, okay, get ready. You got to say that as I'm reading this. You're my active reader. Get ready. So he said to them, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Now we're catching what he's talking about. Heavy, to the max, you will die in your sin. Please note this, the word sin is in the singular. It is not a plural. It is not the many different things you have done wrong. There is one thing they are not getting and that is belief in Jesus Christ. They are missing it. And this is going to go very wrong. He's like, I am going away. And you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Now, just so you know, 
Actually, if you look back at John 7, verses 34 to 37, you can glance over if you want. I'm not going to read it there. But Jesus said this exact same thing to them then. He's like, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you can't come. And, and their statement at that time was, where's he going? Like, he's going to some other place. Maybe we can't follow. Is he leaving this area geographically? So he's already given this statement to him a chapter ago, right? Just, more, just a little over a day ago, he's given this statement to him. And what they thought was, he must be leaving the area. Now he said it again, and they're like, that's twice. This thing has gotten very heavy, and he just got pretty hard on us, and he just said the word, die in your sin. So maybe he's talking now about something way heavier than what we thought. Maybe he's talking about death. And uh, will he kill himself? Please note that they somehow put it in his hands. If he's going to know, how could he know? Only if he's going to do something very wrong. And uh, so this is an accusation against him. Jesus gets it, and he says, where I am going, you cannot come, is their comment, right? How, how could he say, where I am going, you cannot come? How could you know it? His, his answer, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sin, for unless you believe in me, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus is like, you're missing the point, man. Here's the point. Believe in me. In fact, just so you know, it says, unless you believe that I am he, what it actually says is unless you believe that I am. That's all it says. Unless you believe that I am. And the implication there, you could say the proper grammar is I am he. But what's the name of God personally? I am and unless you believe that I am, and he's got a huge statement here to what he's already declared, and yes, also a huge statement to his Godhead. This is a massive moment as he's like, you must grasp who I am unless you believe that I am he. You will die in your sins. And now he's talking to you, plural, sins, plural. He's like, each of you must come to a belief and an understanding, and you must grasp what's going on. So now they say to him, remember, they just got done saying, who's your father and where is he? Right? Now they say, who are you? Right? Are you hearing it? He's like, unless you believe me, you're going to die in your sin. Did they just hear an authority statement? Answer, yes. And they're like, who do you think you are, man? Who are you? How could you say you have any knowledge of my death or life? How could you say that you know anything about where I'm headed? Man, if you don't grasp that they're starting to get hot, you're missing the major point going on. Christ is challenging them, and he's giving a clear statement. And here's the deal. They're missing one thing. He is God Almighty. That's what they're missing. And in the midst of it, if it's just a man saying these things, how dare you? But this is God himself making declaration. They said, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. The words I'm bringing to you are from the Father, man. And God the Son and God the Father were together on this thing, and I am being sent as his messenger. I'm telling you this. These words are from God himself. You need to hear this. 
They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. Lord, may we not be this clueless. Lord, may I not be this clueless. I'm telling you. Lord, may I not miss the grandeur of who you are and the greatness of who you are. And as I stand in your presence, not be able to recognize that you are at work. Lord, may I know you. Please don't think you're above this. Each and every one of us, it's so capable and easy for us to fall into. We're awesome, and God's missing it. And somehow we start to try to correct him in what he's doing. And just so you know, the hotter the problem and circumstance gets, the easier it gets for us to do that. To the point where we love to shake a fist at him and say, how dare you? How dare us? And all of God's people said, Lord, may we please see you as you are. Christ is like, I'm telling you I'm from the Father. I'm declaring to you what he shared with me. They did not even get that he meant God the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up, everybody say that means crucified. When you have lifted up, that means crucified, the Son of Man, everybody say that's Jesus. When you have crucified Jesus, then you will know that I am he, and here again, it just says that I am. That's what it says. Ego e me. Then you will know that I am, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And uh, Jesus is like, just so you know, I sit under the authority of God the Father. Amen. If you're in this room and you are wrestling to try to make a mark in this world for yourself, and you don't want to sit under the authority of those above you, hear me. Even Christ is sitting under the authority of God the Father. Make sure you don't break out from under. Hey, kids, junior high, high school, college, young adult, stay under. Stay under the authority that God has put into your lives and let God move. Even Christ is saying, I respond to God my Father, and I sit under him. I do according to his authority. Man, God places authority in our life for protection and direction. And all of God's people said, Lord, may we sit under well and respond to you well. Christ says, I speak as the Father has taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Just so you know, God the Father does not leave God the Son. They are in constant, perfect unity. I don't get how that works. That's good. Your God's getting bigger, right? And we're just going to keep on saying those kind of phrases through this. How does this work itself out? God getting bigger in your mind. I'm good to hear that. And man, Lord, may you be worshiped. I'm ready to grasp things that are so borderline ungraspable. You are my king. Lord, you are awesome. And God the Father, God the Son, in deep, perfect unity, interaction and relationship, and Christ, God the Son, coming down, sharing what the Father has to say and saying, hear me, believe in Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. He is our hope. In him alone. Do we trust? He says at the end here, 
as he was saying these things, many believed. I love that. As he was saying these things, many believed. There were people standing there who got it. There were people listening who went, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, oh. I think I'm getting it. He's talking about God the Father. And he's saying he came from God the Father. And he's saying I need to believe in him. And he's saying something huge is going to happen through him. And I believe God's doing a work here. And they started to believe in him. Question. How about you? Do you believe that Jesus is God Almighty? Do you believe that he is the light of the world? Do you believe that he is in charge with full authority? Colossians 1, that he spoke in this world exists, that he in his presence maintains and sustains it as it is. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he has died on the cross and risen again? Do you believe? We say it this way. It's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit that you are a sinner. That's the word here. Now, just so you know, that's a sports term, and it's an archery term. It means to have missed the mark, right? Admit that you're missing the mark. Admit that you're not perfect. Hopefully, that's easy for you. If not, just turn to the person next to you and ask them, am I perfect? They'll get the answer pretty quick, right? And uh, not perfect. Lord, I'm in dire need. Admit it. B, believe. Believe that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, died on the cross and rose again. Believe. Hear me. There are witnesses to who he is. There is power and authority in who he is. Believe. Believe in him. Trust him. Do you believe that Jesus is God Almighty, that he is risen from the dead, that he has authority in this world, do you believe? And make sure you're making an active decision right now. Do you believe? This is a yes I'm in or no I'm not. Where do you stand? Make sure you get it. Because there's a C. See, all too often, especially in America, we're like, just believe. But the word believe in America means something very much less than what it means in Scripture. The word believe scripturally means all in. And so the letter C comes right with it. Confess him as Lord. Put him in charge. It's not just some mental ascent. Sure, fine, Jesus went to the cross. He can do whatever he wants. Great. It's not, everybody say, not that. It's so much more. He has gone to the cross. He has died for you. Just right now where you are, think personally for me. He died for you. And he rose again from the dead. Say for me. Just think it personally right where you are. For you. All authority, all power. Our call is to believe and confess. To believe that he is God Almighty. He has died in the cross. He has risen again. And to confess he is in charge of your life. Are you willing for him to be in charge? Confess him as your Lord. And that's what it is to be saved. That's what the scripture is calling to. Flat out. This passage says simply this. You ready? 
Jesus told them, you must believe who I am. Get that square or you will die in your sin. And that is not a good thing. And the other side of it is a hope for eternal life with him as we trust in him, count on him, and believe in him. Do you believe? My request, don't leave here today without putting a stake in the ground, making much of your Savior. I confess you as my Lord, you're in charge. It's simple, man. You're just like, Lord, please forgive me. I believe you've died on the cross and risen again. And I confess you as God in charge of my life, I believe. Just tell him where you are. Make sure you're actively invested. And if you are a believer, you have already trusted in him. Hear me now. Here's our challenge. Lord, may I walk in a way that shows that I know the one who is the light. What needs to go from your life this week that is so about darkness? And it's time to celebrate the one who you know is light. Lord Jesus, I'm done constantly coming back to you saying, please forgive me. I want this over in my life. What do you need to hand to him? Done with the battle. On with letting him reign in your life eternal. May Christ get all the glory. And all of God's people said, let's pray.